Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 402, and I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine's evil twin, Lower Voice Lorraine Sink. Yeah! Lower Voice Lorraine Sink is here uh, because regular Lorraine was feeling poorly because she just went on a whirlwind trip to France! I went to France with my husband, the Beyonder. Yeah, and uh, came back a little sick, but you are a trooper. Yeah, I'm... Owning it, and then I'm going to rest up because San Diego Comic Con is no flipping joke. You yeah. don't, you do not mess with San Diego Comic Con. No, you ride the back of that big beast, and you just hope that it doesn't throw you to the hordes, like a zombie apocalypse. I'm mixing a lot of metaphors, but it's fine. I'm sick. Deal with it, people. Yeah, I have battled hiccups three times today, but it was Lorraine who saved me. You're welcome. On a unicorn. Uh, she came down and said, do this, and it worked, and I feel great. James was supposed to be here, but he is sick. Uh, he is going to be here later this week. We'll have him on in a future episode. Uh, so this, as we mentioned, Comic-Con, this is our big San Diego Comic-Con 2019 preview episode. Uh, we're going to get to that in a little bit because there's so much to go over, so much to talk about. Uh, our interview this week is with Bill Heck, who plays Remy LeBeau, a.k.a. Gambi, on Marvel's Wolverine, uh, the Lost uh, Trail Pod. Wait, wait. Mm, who? Gambi. Uh, who's that? Gambi. You mean Gambit? Gambit. I know it's King of Tea. I oh, hate this. <laughs> I hate this. Gamma. <laughs> <laughs> it's Monday. me, Gamma. <laughs> My name is Gambit. I'm asking a tape, man. Oh, my God. Why is he like Sling Blade? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Bill was great, though. He doesn't sound at all like that. That's how Gambit sounds in my head. Uh, but we've got to move on because we've got to get to things we're hyped about this week, comma, including news. We're going to be talking mostly about Comic-Con in hype this week, but one big thing coming up that we got more info about is the prop store auction of props and costumes from Marvel's Daredevil, Marvel's Luke Cage, and Marvel's Iron Fist. The auction will be August 12th and 13th, 2019, Uh, and so I grabbed some of the items and estimates that are part of this auction, and did you you see this? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you can really own a piece of Marvel history. These are actual pieces from the television shows from the Netflix series. This first one blew my mind, Daredevil's red costume. Uh, I mean, it's estimated to be $30,000 to $50,000. Yeah, these, these, so these are estimates of what they think these might go for. Complete estimates because these are auctions. Could be it could higher, be lower. a jillion dollars. A jillion dollars. I have a jillion dollars to spend. So wow. that's... I don't. Aww. I don't. That was a lie. Yeah. Uh, the I wish I had ten to twelve thousand dollars to get Misty Knight's cybernetic arm for Marvel's Luke Cage. Yeah, wow. baby, that's a good one. The yeah. only sad thing is you'd have to cut your arm off. No. You know what? We'll make it work. Do you think Rocket Raccoon would like to buy it because he loves the cybernetic <laughs> he would steal limb? It. It's already stolen. <laughs> that's Done. True. Um, you guys can check out the full catalog right now at propstore.com/marvel. And the bidding is now open for advanced bids. Uh, they can be placed from anywhere. There's all kinds of ways to get in on this. So good luck. Okay, so as we mentioned, we are in full Comic-Con preview mode this week. You can check out all of the Marvel stuff coming for Comic-Con 2019 over at marvel.com slash SDCC 2019. Look at that math. Yeah. Was that, mm, 
Yeah, there's some yeah, math in there. Yeah, it's word math. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be streams, news, photos, schedules, videos, links. Everything is either there right now or will be added as we progress into and through the convention. So let's talk about the stream, uh, first of all. So we'll be once again streaming live from the Marvel booth at San Diego, Thursday, July 18th through Sunday, July 21st. There'll be tons of like interviews and surprise guests, footage of the signings and happenings of the booth. Events and reveals, of course, live episodes of some of our shows, though. Yeah, we're actually going to be kicking off the whole dang show with Earth's Mightiest Show, which will have me and Ryan on it, uh, along with our pal Langston. We're going to do that up at the Marvel booth stage at 11 a.m. on Thursday, so you can watch it live on the live stream, or if you are at the actual con, you can come hang out with us at the Marvel booth stage. And maybe you can slap our palms and we'll say, yeah, give me the fives. Yeah, we'll say, give me the fives. And if you're watching at home, you can give us your fives by hitting your screen, whatever you're gently, watching. Gently, so gently. Mm. Slap that screen. Yes, slap at the screen. <laughs> um, but also, if you do see us, please say hi because friendship is dope. Yeah, we'll get to all that. Uh, I put a little secret code into the uh, next episode of Marvel's The Pull List, and I'm going to put it again later in this episode. Something you have to say to Lorraine or I, and we'll give you something. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, So also stage events for our shows. Uh, We have Marvel's Let's Play Live featuring Marvel's Iron Man VR at 12 p.m. on Friday, which I'm very much looking forward to because I'm getting more into VR gaming, and I'm excited to see more of Iron Man. I just haven't had a chance to play it in the office yet. Yeah. Oh, and the Women of Marvel have a live stage show called Picture This, which features our pals Judy and Sana being ridiculous. It's going to be on Friday at 2.30 p.m. Yep. Saturday is going to be a huge day. So at 11 a.m., there'll be a live episode of Eat the Universe with Justin Warner. At 1 p.m., we'll have our This Week in Marvel live stage event, which is all about acronyms and free stuff. And then there's a live Let's Play of Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order, at 4.30 p.m. Those are just, I mean, there's so much other stuff going on. But like right now, we're just talking about the stage event. So there's reasons for you to keep coming back to the Marvel booth. Yeah, and then on Sunday, it doesn't let up. We've got a special Earth's Mightiest show at 11 a.m. and a live version of Marvel's The Pull List at 1.15. Plus there's cosplay events. Marvel Becoming costume competition is always really, really cool. Marvel Quick Draw and just a ton, ton, ton of stuff. Yeah, Uh, Lorraine, you got a special little thing that you're doing at Comic-Con. Yeah, um, I have a book signing at the Disney Publishing booth on Thursday at 3 p.m. for my book, Powers of a Girl. Please come say hi and let me sign your book or your baby. Yeah. Will you be slapping palms? I will slap a palm, baby. Yeah. No not palm, a baby. Not a palm, no not babies. A, a comma. Please don't slap babies. <laughs> There's a comma between palm and baby. Okay. Because we need you to be back here. I don't, <laughs> don't want to be like, guys, Lorraine got fired for slapping a baby. I would never slap a baby. I know. Only adults. <laughs> Sick Lorraine is great. Uh, all right. Well, so... Um, One of the biggest things that we know you guys are super hyped about is Comic-Con merch. So what we have in front of us, Lorraine and I both have copies of, uh, like, basically the menu of what is going to be available at the Marvel booth. It's essentially a delicious sushi menu of Marvel treats. Yeah, and you go, I want this and this and this and this. So there's four pin sets that are going to be available. Avengers, X-Men, Spider-Verse, Guardians of the Galaxy. I am 1,000% 1,000% getting Spider-Verse. Yeah, it's awesome. It's got Miles Morales, uh, Black Suit Spider-Man, uh, Gwen Stacy Spider-Man. <laughs> Why can't I talk? Ghost Spider. Ghost Spider and Spider-Ham. Yeah. I, 
I don't know if that's the spider ham. It looks similar to the other spider ham, but I'll take any spider ham pin I can get. It's so cute. Yeah. Um, uh, I also like that the Avengers pin set has tiny Ant-Man and tiny Wasp. Yep. Uh, and like the Hulk looks so cute, Thor looks so cute. So these are all uh, designed by Scotty Young, of course. And then of course we're gonna have the blind packs, which are gonna be two pins in each box, randomly inserted, 15 bucks a pop. There's so many cool ones, you know, Wolverine is great. Shuri looks awesome. There's a great Black Widow. Yeah, and there's Riri Williams, AKA Ironheart, a super cute rogue. Also, I have to say, I really, really am digging this Kingpin. I know. He's so like chubby and happy. I know, I wanna this tickle loosh. him. There's a Namor in here, which I am going to have to keep buying these blind boxes until <laughs> I get a Namor or trade a Namor, and I will throw away all the gambits. Oh, and how about Boy Bucky? I know, a little tiny baby Boy Bucky. And the Black Widow is super cute, too. Oh, so many good ones. There's, a, of course, a Thanos pin with a lanyard. He looks really great. I think I have, like, five or six Thanos pins, so i got to add this one to the collection. Um, I also want to say that Thanos is doing the well-actually pose. He's got oh. his hand up, and he's like, well, let me tell you, oh. I know how to murder. <laughs> I, didn't, I was trying to figure out what pose he was in. I get it. <laughs> uh, and then there are incentive pins. So if you spend a certain amount of money, you get to buy, you know, one, two, or all three of these. There's a great one. Uh, I know you, Lorraine, like Deadpool with his big gun. Uh, yeah, it's like a full anime-style enormous blaster situation. I also really love the Spider-Man inside of Venom. You could see Spidey's little head inside of Venom's mouth. Yeah. Of course, all the pin images are available now at marvel.com slash SDCC 2019. You guys want signing info as well. That's going to come in hot next week. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. We should talk about some panels. Have you heard of these, Brian? They're called panels. Panels? They're called pianels. Pianels. And it's a place where a bunch of human adults go. They sit in a line sometimes behind a table. Oh, yeah. Sometimes on director's chairs, but sometimes just in a line. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and then they talk about their life and feelings. Hmm. It's very therapeutic. Oh, it sounds lovely. Well, we're going to look at Thursday, the first panel we have on our schedule is Marvel Games at 1.30 p.m. in Hall H. Hall H. Fui, fui, fui. That's a big room. That is a huge room. So they will be showing off stuff from Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 The Black Order, Marvel's Iron Man VR, and Marvel's Avengers with, as they say in the release, unannounced surprises and panel exclusives. Oh, hey, it's Greg Miller hosting. I love Greg. I didn't even realize. <laughs> like, I've just been so busy. Yeah, he's a loudmouth at kindoffunny.com, according to the release, which is true. He's also... Sweetest dude you'll ever meet and a cancer survivor. Oh. Yeah, Greg's great. See, I told you, we're all learning and, and growing today. That's right. We also have the Marvel Television, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Thursday at 3.30 in Hall H. The first time they've ever been in Hall H. It's a big one. It's going to have the cast and producers of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they are going to be giving you the scoop on the big conclusion for Season 6 and what awaits in Season 7 because that's already been greenlit. And it's going to have a bunch of your favorite stars like Clark Gregg, Ming-Na Wen, Chloe Bennett, Elizabeth Henstridge, Ian DeKestecker, Henry Simmons, Natalia Cordova Buckley, and Jeff Ward, as well as Marissa Tantaro and Jed Whedon, Jeff Bell, and Jeff Loeb, the creators of the show. So it's going to be a really big one. Of course, talent is subject to change, as with all things, because we can't control the world and flights and Not everything. Not yet. Someday, talent will not be subject to change. Someday we'll be like, we've cured all disease. You can't get a cold. Yes. So that is Thursday. Let's look to Friday, which is a panel that Lorraine and I will be on. It's the Marvel Comics Triple P off to the side 
so such a great cheerleader. She just like raised her hands to her face and silently went fui fui fui. <gasps> fui fui fui, I missed it. It was great. Uh, That's us. Yeah, it is our Marvel Comics number 1000 revealed of this week in Marvel special event panel. So this one is kind of fun. Lorraine and I were talking about how we wanted to do this. And so we came up with an idea of celebrating Marvel's 80th anniversary, talking about Marvel Comics 1000, bringing on some of our friends to be on the panel. So on the panel with us will be Gail Simone, Jody Hauser, and Jeremy Whitley, along with, of course, Lorraine and I and C.B. Sabolsky. Uh, so we'll be showing off art and stuff from Marvel Comics 1000 and 1001. Uh, we'll be talking about some of the projects that uh, Jeremy and Jody and Gail are working on. Uh, but... Most fun, I think, is going to be the interactive part of this. So if you come to this panel, bring your Marvel knowledge and get ready to play with us because we're going to do a thing. 60 seconds, how many Marvel Comics characters can you name? Uh, It is hard. It's hard. It's really hard. It is not easy. We were joking around. I was like, I could do it. And it was like, (laughs) choke. I, I, I was like. Somebody can do 80 in 60 seconds. Like, if you go real fast Ooh. and you hit a lot of single-syllable characters. We need that Micro Machines guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. He was real good. Oh, Triple P doesn't know what Micro Machines are. Anyway. Sorry to our younger listeners. Yeah. They're called microwaves? <laughs> oh, oh boy. <laughs> uh, so th- we're going to do all of us on stage will be playing and we'll see how many we can uh, say in 60 seconds. But we're also going to bring up folks who are at the panel. We're going to be giving away stuff. We have swag, and we have um, some toys and comics and various different things, which is going to be really great. So hope you join us. That is at 1230 to 1.30 in room 5AB on Friday, July 19th. And I just want to say that Jiggy Cruz reached out and asked if I would fui, fui, fui on the live side, like at the panel. And I'm just saying right now, as long as I remember to do it, I'll do it. That's a guarantee. Or as Gamma would say, oh. he only says his name like Hodor. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Uh, also, let's talk about Marvel Comics Spider Man, the panel. Yeah. Uh, Friday, 1 30 to 2 30. It's going to be in room AB. You can get caught up in Spider Man's tangled web. Uh, it's going to have executive. Editor Nick Lowe, nice guy extraordinaire. Uh, Assistant editor Kathleen Wisniewski, as well as writers Nick Spencer from Amazing Spider-Man, Sean and McGuire from Ghost Spider, and Frank Thierry, human man with a loud voice. This is... The Joe Pesci of Marvel Comics is what I'm really trying to say. He's also writing Absolute Carnage versus Deadpool and Absolute Carnage Lethal Protectors. Putting him on a panel is... Dangerous. Yeah, it's like putting a stick of dynamite and lighting it and then walking away. I can't wait. (laughs) And this is one of the panels where there'll be a free uh, exclusive comic given away if you attend the panel. That's Amazing Spider-Man number three. That is... Marvel's Spider-Man City at War number five with an exclusive cover just for this panel. It's going to be great. One more for Friday. That is the Marvel Animation Celebrates Marvel's 80th anniversary. It's Friday, 3.30 to 4.30 in room 6A. It's going to have a whole bunch of people from a variety of shows, including Spider-Man, the animated series, like the 90s one, writer Mark Hoffmeyer. If you're ready for this, brace yourselves. Marty Eisenberg from X-Men the Animated Series, the 90s show that yeah, everybody... Yeah, That one. Um, and also a bunch of voice actors. Yeah, Josh Keaton, uh, who is, of course, on Spectacular Spider-Man, Jennifer Hale, who's been in Wolverine and the X-Men, and plenty more. They're going to be talking about 
all kinds of stuff. This one is really great. I, I When I see these panels, I'm like, man, I wish I could stick around and actually just hang out and watch some of these. I know. We have to work, I unfortunately. Know. But this is such a cool way to celebrate Marvel's 80th anniversary across all lines. I think it's so cool. Yeah. Also, Saturday... Fui, 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 Women of Marvel, 10 years and 200 episodes. That's a lot of granola. <laughs> Saturday. That, is that the catchphrase from Women yeah. of Marvel? Haven't you listened to the Women yeah. of Marvel? Yep, this yep. is the Women of Marvel. That's a lot of granola. That's what Sona always says. <laughs> if there's anything I know about women's empowerment, it's that. <laughs> um, Saturday. 10 a.m., room 5AB. Uh, they're going to celebrate 10 years of the Women of Marvel panels. That It really is so long. Um, it's going to have Sana Amanath, who is our VP of Content and Character Development. You should know her by now. Judy Stevens, human woman, producer at Marvel. And they're going to have a lot of really incredible special guests to talk about Marvel's 80th anniversary, uh, what it's like to be a lady in the comic book industry, and the future of the industry. And this is one of my very favorite panels because they have a really great Q&A at the end and it just feels like really inspiring. You like walk out with like a little spring in your step like, yeah, I did something good today, like having a lot of granola. <laughs> uh, but we want to make sure you guys know this is happening on Saturday morning this year. It's usually on Sundays, but uh, we moved it to Saturday. Big time. It's got a whole lot of time. Big spot. It's going to be great. Make sure you get there. And get there early because seating is limited. Yes. Also on Saturday, 1.45 to 2.45 p.m. in room 6A is Marvel Comics' next big thing. Uh, and so you're going to have... What's next, Ryan? Com comic book. Uh, we're going to have Jonathan Hickman, writer of House of X and Powers of Ten, along with editor-in-chief C.B. Cebulski, and tons of other guests to talk about uh, House of X and Powers of Ten and plenty more. There's... This is usually a panel where we drop a bunch of news and announcements and reveals and all kinds of good stuff. All right. Next up, Marvel Comics. Marvel Fanfare with C.B. Cebulski, Saturday, 3 p.m., Room 6A. Uh, just like right after that next big thing. So you could just stick around in that room. Just kick it. It's your chance to meet the head of editorial at Marvel. Uh, it's going to be an exclusive and intimate panel uh, with our good old editor-in-chief, C.B. Cebulski, along with superstar talents like Rob Liefeld and Scotty Young, who you guys love his pens, don't lie, uh, as well as all of his comic book work. And that's another panel where there's going to be an exclusive giveaway. So go to that panel. You get Silver Surfer Black, number two, a Giuseppe Camoncoli take on Carnage, soaring the spaceways on Silver Surfer's board. We haven't talked about it yet, right? The pull list hasn't come out yet, but I will tell you, Silver Surfer Black, number two, did you read it, Trips? I left it on your desk, open to the page with Silver Surfer's butt. It looked real good. Oh, yeah, the butt is it's hilarious. A, a tight little tush. He's Well, he's it's straight up titanium, baby. Yeah, he's, he's silver. He's, yeah, he shines. I'm just saying, watch out, Captain America. Silver Surfer's coming for your butt title. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. Let's move on, though, because we're going to finish off Saturday with Marvel Studios crushing Hall H, 515 p.m. to 645 p.m. They're back. They're bigger and better than ever and going to do it right. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be in the room. Uh, I'm going to be sharing updates, tweets, and, and stuff uh, from the panel. I don't know what's going to be shared there. I'm excited. I know you guys are. Hope you get in. It's going to be great. It's always crazy because we don't know what's going to happen until it happens. And it's like one of those moments where we get to be fans, too. Yeah. So it's actually kind of exciting. It's great. 
Uh, let's talk about Sunday, July 21st. We're shutting it down. <laughs> With the good way, making comics the Marvel way, Sunday at 11.15 a.m. in room 5AB. Uh, it's going to have a slew of Marvel guests uh, that are going to do some behind the scenes and show you how a comic book is made. Uh, you're going to learn aspects of production, including writing, penciling, inking, coloring, editing, and more with creators that are going to be there to give you personal insight and anecdotes, tell you all their secrets, give you their social security numbers, tell you where to find their homes. Yep. I'll tell you how to find Ricky Burton. Uh, just give me five <laughs> bucks. Uh, so that, those are the panels. I do want to give a special shout out to our friend Truck, a.k.a. 100% Soft. He just DM'd me a little while ago before we came in here. And he was like, hey, I have four licensed Avengers prints debuting at Comic-Con this year. Do you think it's possible to shout it out and share it on Marvel? And I was Aww. like, yeah. And he sent me a picture. These are so cute. Uh, yeah, look at these. So these are for the four oh. different Avengers movies, uh, and they are officially licensed, and they are in Truck's wonderful style. They're super cute, one for each of the, the different movies, and they'll be released on different days. So They're so cute. They're giving me, like, somewhere between an emoji and a Farmville vibe that I'm really mm. into. Yeah. They're just, you know, like his pins, like his mm. the emojis he, do, he does. Um, he does wonderful work. So very excited for that. For truck, you have to go to booth 1532, a limited number of each of these, so about 150 of them. First one is on Wednesday, then Thursday, Friday with Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame on Saturday. So each Love day, it. you're going to have to go back, go early, get one. I told him I'm going to try to be there. Uh, he just was like, cool, awesome, I'll see you then, which is great. Um, but we're also giving away free things. Yeah, Um if you come up to see me or Ryan, you see us across the convention floor and you wade through the crowds of humanity and you walk up to us, you can say this special phrase. Triple P loves ham. And if you say to us, Triple P loves ham, then we will give you something. Yeah. Just don't do it while we're on stage or recording or otherwise indisposed because... We won't be able to. So, like, yeah. don't shout it while we're, like, literally doing one of our yeah. shows. No no 50 feet away stuff. <laughs> yeah. But we want to do it. It's going to be fun. And so we'll, we'll hook people up as long as we have stuff to hook y'all up with. That, that pretty much covers Comic-Con. Remember, watch Marvel Live all weekend long at marvel.com slash SDCC 2019. Uh, and that'll be where all the updates happen. Of course, you can follow Lorraine and myself on social media. We'll be posting tons of updates. Oh, yeah, baby. And so will Aunt Marvel as well, of yeah, course. whatever. They're fine. They're fine. Yeah. Oh, so before we keep on with all of our This Week of Marvel stuff, we want to give a shout out to an ESPN podcast called The Woj Pod uh, because they are like the peak NBA podcast out there. So when you listen to this, you're joined by ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski for The Woj Pod, featuring in-depth conversations, breaking news, reaction, and analysis, of course, coverage of the biggest events on the NBA calendar, as well as an occasional deep dive into some of the most notable events in NBA history, which I'm super psyched about, me being the guy who loves digging deep into our history. I love when you know other people who know so much about whatever topic it is dive deep, give you that context, give you like the cultural impact of all that stuff. So they do that. So the Woj Pod is the must listen for NBA fans uh, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of history, Lorraine, I think it's time for This Week in Marvel History. All 
right. We're looking at uh, events from the week of July 12th through July 18th across our 80 years. This is my favorite episode. This is great. Uh, we're going to start things off July 12th, 1950, because the first issue of Two Gun Western is released. But it's actually number five. Um, so we often renamed series and kept the numbering. And as far as I could ascertain, and I'm not 100% certain because I saw some conflicting stuff in my research, this series was previously called Casey, Crime Photographer. Uh, and so Casey, Crime Photographer, was actually a radio show that began way back in the 1930s and was spun out into pulp magazines and comic books and so much more. Um, the second issue of Casey has a really weird clown with a gun on the cover and Casey holding his camera sort of like, uh-oh. Uh, this is why people don't trust clowns. Yeah. Anyway, Two Gun Western ran until 1952, and this first issue introduced Apache Kid and had some awesome John Buscema art. John Buscema's name comes up so many times in this section, it's wild. July 16, 1968, Incredible Hulk Annual Number 1 is released with one of the most iconic Marvel images of all time. It's the one of Hulk holding up his logo by Jim Steranko. Yeah. Just legendary. Uh, and then in Silver Surfer Number 2, the vicious alien race known as the Badoon debut by Stanley and John Buscema. That's the second time. Oh. Uh, in some timelines, the Badoon become the greatest military power in the galaxy. Ooh. July 15th, 1969. Nice. Sauron, so, so the energy vampire uh, pterodactyl man, fully or debuts in the pages of X-Men number 60. Oh, what a guy. Oh, man. He's got a lot going on. Yeah. I love Sauron. And he's just such a creeper. I also just love the name. He's like, oh, well, he's a pterodactyl. What is he going to do? He's going to Sauron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, all right. Let's keep going. July 14th, 1970. Avengers number 80 by Roy Thomas End for the third time. John Buscema. Oh, my God. He just appeared. You said his name three times. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, they introduced Native American hero Red Wolf. Uh, July 15, 1975, the original Champions debut in the pages of Champions number one. Kind of. Uh, it's a team book, and this is the first time they're all together on I the campus. I love this book. Really? I love it. It's nuts. Fascinating. I Hercules and Black Widow got something going on. True. I'm living for it. Come on. Champions? They're living their L.A. life. They're like, we're not the West Coast Avengers. We're the champions. We're different. But similar. <laughs> Very similar and different. Yeah, Hercules, Ghost Rider, Black Widow, Iceman and Angel? Yeah, I mean, wait. Like, like, why not? They're just like, who needs a freaking vacation? We do <laughs> West Coast. Let's uh, go to L.A. I am so glad you love this book. I do. I really Great. do. All right, let's jump to July 12th, 1983, because Beta Ray Bill debuts in the pages of Thor, number 337. The first issue written by Walter Simonson. He oh. drawn some issues of Thor previously, but from 337 to 382, Walt writes all but two of the issues, I believe, and draws oh, a good chunk of them, probably like 75% of them. Uh, and this is one of the most iconic Marvel Comics runs. This first issue is iconic in and of itself with the cover. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's really great. The whole run is worth a read if you've never dug in, and it really does live up to that hype. Plus... It's Beta Ray freaking Bill, y'all. Uh, he's an alien, a Corbinite, who is worthy enough to wield Mjolnir. He starts out as Thor's enemy, then becomes his ally, his brother. It is such a great story. Also, he his face is very equine, and he basically got horse face. But he 
he's so lovable and he kind of seems like he should be this monster, but he's, you're just like root. I'm like, I should be rooting for Thor, but I'm really just rooting for Beta Ray Bill because he should be everyone's best friend. Yeah, 100%. All right. July 16th, 1985, a classic spider story, The Death of Gene DeWolf. It begins in Spectacular Spider-Man number 107 by Peter David and Rich Buckler. Police Sergeant Gene DeWolf is found dead in her apartment. The issue also introduces Sin Eater, a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who's been enhanced with experimental drugs. But he went naughty. He was not nice. He was off the Santa list. Sin Eater is also (laughs) vitally important to the origin of Venom as it's Peter Parker's work revealing the true identity of the Sin Eater and that sets Eddie Brock's life off into a downward spiral pushing him toward the symbiote and giving them a shared reason to hate Spitterman. Yeah. Uh, Spitterman! Spitterman! Great story. Really intense. uh, Iconic for a lot of people. All right, July 14th, 1987, Reed and Sue decide to take some time away from the Fantastic Four with their son, Franklin. So the team gets two new members in Fantastic Four number 307 by Steve Englehart and John Buscema. 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 Another Buscema appearance. Fui, fui, fui. Crystal and Miss Marvel. Uh, Ms. Marvel being Sharon Ventura, not Carol or Kamala, but the strong hero, former pro wrestler, who would later be transformed into the She-Thang. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Yeah. Uh, so this one I had to put on here because it's it's something. July 17th, 1996, the first Iron Man series comes to an end with issue number 332. It's in the midst of the Onslaught saga, so there's so much going on. Uh, Iron Man and other heroes would go on to sacrifice themselves to stop Onslaught very shortly after this, and they would start anew in Heroes Reborn. But this was the end of the first series. But I had two special reasons to include it here. One, Tony Stark was a teenager at this point. It's a whole thing. I don't want to get into it right now. But two, the issue was drawn by Joe Bennett, who's now doing career-defining masterful work almost 25 years later on Immortal Hulk. It just goes to show, like, the ability of some comic artists to consistently get better and better and better and to see 25-plus years into their career, they're at the best that they could they, they may ever be. That's awesome. It's wild. Joe Bennett's so good right now. All right. How about this? July 14th, 2000, the original X-Men film debuts in theaters. Hmm. Yeah. Indeed. I watched that movie every day at lunchtime for years. <laughs> it was one of the only DVDs I had. God, I just really associate it with tomato soup and crackers. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> and then July 17th, 2015, Marvel Studios, Ant-Man. Uh, it opens in theaters. It's a teeny tiny premiere, just so small. <laughs> just the smallest. <laughs> She's, Lorraine is giggling to herself very heartily right now. It was wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. That was our history. Of course, if you want to read all this, want links and want to read some of the comics that we mentioned, you can go to marvel.com in a couple days. Jamie will be putting this story up on marvel.com with all the links you need. Uh, we got to look at the comics now because top books from this week's episode of Marvel's The Pullist include Star Wars number 68, Thor number 15, War of the Realms Omega number 1, and Amazing Spider-Man number 25. Hey, you should subscribe to Marvel's Pull List wherever you get your podcast and watch video versions on marvel.com. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Thanks. You know what else sounds I like I thought a- it myself. It wasn't because anybody told me to say that. I nope. just said that. Yeah. You know what else would be a great idea? To enjoy some M&M's, some hazelnut spread M&M's. Thanks to our advertiser M&M's this week for uh, supporting the show. I still... 
waiting for my giant, beautiful bowl of M&Ms. I want to eat all of them. I got to be honest. I had some of the hazelnut spread M&Ms, <gasps> and they're so sweet, so delicious, so smooth and creamy inside, so crunchy candy outside. What a freaking delight. I... <sighs> I'm actually sad I don't have any right now. No, I said you didn't bring any. What are you doing? I'll, I'll make a little run to the bodega. That's what we have here in New York City. <laughs> uh, so the hazelnut spread M&Ms are a delicious combo of hazelnut spread and milk chocolate in every tiny little bite-sized piece. Uh, I, if James was here, James would have brought us some. I know. Or, or maybe not. He probably would have eaten them and then talked about eating them because they're so good. Yum. Yeah. Go get yourself some hazelnut spread M&Ms and enjoy them and then tell us how much you enjoy them and then give us some. Yeah. All right. Yes. Again, thank you to M&Ms for sponsoring this episode. And our interview this week is now with Bill Heck. You can listen to Marvel's Wolverine The Lost Trail on any podcast player, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can listen to it now for free, which is amazing. So catch up if you did not. Hear it on its original uh, release. Uh, There's a great time. That's why we're. That's why we held this interview until now. I talked to him so long ago. He's great. Bill Heck was terrific. Um, did he get to go to New Orleans and work on his New Orleans ease? Yeah. If he doesn't talk like that, and I feel like you're misrepresenting. I may be misrepresenting, but I'm not misrepresenting that you can listen to the first two chapters of Marvel's Wolverine the Lost Trail, wherever you get your audio right now. So enjoy our interview with Bill Heck. He's here, hey your absolute favorite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your absolute favorite? No, absolute I. Absolute, me? Oh, Gambit. Gambit. I'm going to be real with you. I am not a big Gambit guy. I just, he's he's always weirded me out, but... Really? Yeah. Ooh, do tell. But... Uh, I, I found him to be a little creepsy uh, over the time. <laughs> the way he was depicted in the comics, especially uh-huh. as I was reading uh, as a younger kid, yeah. it was just like, mm, I don't know. But over the last yeah. couple of years, we've had some great writers and great depictions of him, right. so I've warmed up to the character. Okay. And I feel like your depiction of Remy in Marvel's Wolverine the Lost Trail will mm-hmm. probably help push that even more... We'll see. I don't know. I mean, or, I feel I feel like things are a little hostile at the moment. That's the way it goes. Me and Gavin, we can't be in the same place at the same time. I'm sorry. Before we even okay. get into any of that, though, uh, one of the things we like to talk about here on This Week in Marvel is your Marvel origin story. And that is sort of like, how did you get connected to the Marvel characters? Was it like, oh, you saw a cartoon, you read a comic, you watched a movie, you had underoos, you had, you know, a pair of sneakers that had Spider-Man on it. First, everyone has a different way. Right, right. Um, it's, oh, uh, God. It, I think I'm, I'm afraid I'll be exposed as a bit of a rookie. My, okay. my, my knowledge okay. doesn't go deep, but I, there is some. And there is actually um, from, from a young age, but it starts outside of Marvel. Uh, it's okay. I, uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my family had, like, my, my great-grandparents bought a house on Lake Michigan. That's been in the family for a while, like, out on the beach. And so we go there in the summers. And f- there is, like, a stack of comics, like, a foot and a half tall from, I don't know, like, the 40s and the 50s. But it's, like, it's like Archie's and Casper the Friendly Ghost and Richie Rich. This is like a Bob Hope goes oh, on yeah, an adventure yeah. in the Middle 100%. East comic, you know. Those. Um, they're fantastic. And I would just tear through those, you know. None of them had covers, and I would just hours and hours and hours. So that kind of got whetted my appetite for comics, right? Um, I also grew up in a pretty um, religious household. So early on I got something called the Picture Bible, 
for a present, and it is like an 800-page comic book Bible, basically. Sounds short. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I read through that thing like 18 times. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Um, and, you know, it's, surely there's some pretty dark stuff in there. But I don't remember how, but like around age 11, I think, I came across a Wolverine comic. Appropriate, right? So and right. And it was like, it was dark and the dude was unhappy and like he, <laughs> he did not give an F and he would slit your throat and be grumpy and smoke a cigar about it. And I was like, that's awesome <laughs> and new and scary and dangerous. So uh, funny. It's exactly why I like Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> and you are literally talking about almost any possible Wolverine comic. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah people I couldn't tell you which things. one it was, but yeah, yeah. exactly. Like people were like, he did this and he went here. And I was like, sometimes I can pinpoint, nope, that is... Every Wolverine comic from like 1976 Absolutely. to yeah, and know. he was like in full like you know yellow blue spandex, like not an intimidating sounding figure, but like he touched something, deep. he woke something inside yeah. me. And that, that's uh, what, the great thing because Wolverine, he's you know he's in that you know uh, loud costume and all this stuff, but he's like completely opposite. Yeah. He's also like five three, right. and he is that he's the epitome of the Wolverine. He will tear you to shreds. Right. It's so right. fun. And th that was the other thing, you know, like I, I dug super superheroes growing up, you know, not outside of comics like action action figures and whatnot, right? But they're all the same mold, you know, the tall white male, you know, with the the muscles and for like the crouched guy, little guy with yeah. the hair and stuff. He's exciting. Yeah. He's the best. Super fun. So let's go back to a little further on in your life after the superheroes. Mm -hmm. Your your acting career spans pretty much everything. Theater, TV, movies. And Marvel's Wolverine, The Lost Trail is something completely different from that, if I'm yeah. if I'm correct. Like can you talk about that experience compared to the rest? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, there's a lot of similar things about it in that your job is basically to tell the truth, right, and tell a story. But um, that's the geekiest answer. But uh, very actually. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's a compliment. I totally meant that as a compliment. This has gone terrible so far. I'm You're ruinous. making those actor comments. I'm talking about how much I hate Gambit. I'm so sorry. Welcome to this week in Marvel where everyone up. hates each other. <laughs> I actually uh, meant that as a compliment. No, no, no. Thank yeah. you. Uh, um you know, I had not heard about this sort of setup until this gig came along and was fascinated from the sound of it. And my vision was like this massive soundstage, you know, sort of motion capture like they do for video games or whatnot. And we get there and it's a recording studio sort of like this. And there's, you know, some panels up and I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is not quite as grand as I had anticipated. But as it turns out, it just, it was... It was like going into a little playroom and, you know, everything was sort of tossed about. We were getting out our props and setting up a table for a, a rowboat and um, the haphazardness nature of it really lent itself to letting your imagination run wild, right? So it, it was kind of like going back to, to you know, the nursery <laughs> in, a way, <laughs> cool. in a way that I haven't experienced before, you yeah. know, because there wasn't a lot of distraction. There weren't a bunch of cameras. There was just the microphone and your, you know, furniture and the people you're with, so... It's great. Yeah, cool. And you actually got to use, I'm thinking, actually use props, make sounds with them because it was important to keep telling every part of the story through audio. What is it like to play a superhero that usually lends itself to visuals? Mm -hmm. What is it like to do that without the benefit of being seen? Well, 
it requires a lot of trust in the in the people who are at the helm, right? Uh, uh, and Daniel and Chloe and uh, Brendan and Ben who wrote it. You know, it, people clearly knew what they were doing. So I felt very comfortable from the get-go. After all, we've been doing a few things, we get to like a fight scene where Wolverine and I have a face-off. And, and I just got to like run around the studio like karate chopping, yeah, and spinning. <laughs> and I looked and... Utter fool, there's no <laughs> doubt. But it was fun as hell, you know, just like a kid when you're playing uh, a superhero. So it was very freeing in that sense because you didn't have to satisfy uh, um, the menace. or You know, you could internalize that in a way that freed you up in, yeah. in a nice way. Yeah, I, I think also you've got that ability to be free, but you also have a character like Gambit who has a ton of appearances in comics. He has appearances in animated shows. He's uh, got a ton of, like... Believe me, because of my vocal uh, relative opinion of Gambit, mm -hmm. I know he has a lot of fans, very <laughs> actionable fans, yeah. uh, and I've heard Look from them out. over time. Uh, but did you get a chance to dive into any of those, those comics appearances, or did you want to keep yourself sort of fresh for your interpretation of this character in this media? No, I definitely went into it. You know, I was excited. It's part of the reason I... I was glad to get the job. It was an excuse to go read comics, right? <laughs> uh, so uh, live the dream, kids. Yeah, that's right, baby. Uh, so I I, ch I checked out. Um, you know, there's a Wolverine Gambit uh, victim series. It's like a four. Yeah, uh, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale. It is so gorgeous. good. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Um, uh, story wise, visually, uh, emotionally, there's like a two issue storyline from '63, I think, 1963. Uh, it's like Storm is trapped in her child's body or something like 93. this. 93. It's 93. I, I, I only say this, I know this That's for sure. That's not what it says on Marvel Unlimited. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Shoot, Uncanny really? X-Men started in 1963. And our right. naming, our numbering conventions, I am sorry, I don't mean to. No, no, please. You know, no. Uh, anyway. I need like, you. Uh, so th that series starts in 1963, but the comic you're talking about is not 1993. It would have been 1988, 89, those issues coming out. And that's his first appearance when he has the, like the trench coat and the purple. Right. Like, it's thing. like Storm and, uh, and Storm, the Shadow King, yeah, right? And, and Storm uh, is trapped Orphan as a child. Maker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or oh, Orphan Maker. Yeah. Love it. Oh, yeah. Man. Just but that was warm. a great one. Like the, and the first, the, it's like uh, number 266. Six and two sixty seven. Yeah, Jesus, you know that's I'm, good. Uh, um, I get paid to write comics every comic, y'all. Right, right. Uh, you know, it's is is really it, the the drawings are, are nice, but sort of what you know a little bit what I expect. And then the the next another team takes over on two sixty seven, and it's it was startling to me. It's like really violent and um, extreme in its in its expressiveness, and I, I was really taken with it. Yeah, yeah I really. Ah, that's it. awesome. And then I went back and looked at some like a, you know a few clips from the animated stuff. Sure. Um, yeah, so I, yeah. I got a little familiar. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, it, like in my head, it's always when I hear Gambit is that animated voice, like you know, like that very over the top. Yeah. Gambit. Uh, so I, I'm, you know, that's part of why it's painted for me in a certain way. Yeah. Well, the other issue I read, there's one where it's like Sabretooth is sort of telling the story of, uh, it's been a while now. A Gambit betraying Gambit's like, Yeah, Morlocks. like seducing. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And mm. that's like what you're talking about. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's awful. He's, he's scum. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. He's really awful. He, he's <laughs> got to pay for it. <laughs> Damn it. Get him. Got so passionate in here just now. <laughs> so kind of speaking about the X-Men and, and Wolverine and Gambit and their past, 
in Marvel's Wolverine Lost Trail, they're not getting along, Wolverine and Gambit. Right. They're not getting along very well. How is your chemistry with Richard Armitage doing this? Guy's such a jerk. Oh, I knew Just it. Clip that out. Confirmed. Put it out on social. He's the yeah. worst. The <laughs> wow. worst. Yeah, he's awful. That's great. You know, tell us more. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. He's you know he's taking his job very seriously, obviously, and and really into it, and we were all really into it, and and you know they, they hired just great people, like. Bill Irwin and some people I know from like theater folk around town, Richard Holmes and Christina Lind, and uh, it was really fantastic in that regard. So it felt very frank. So Richard was great, and it's it's always it's sort of easier when your characters dislike each other because the conflict's built in. You know, it's all fairly uh, cut and dry. Though there was a nice history there, and it's not actually quite cut and dry. The nice bit is that they're rough with each other, but there's history and you know whether they like it or not they're tied together in a way that demands some sort of alliance ultimately so that was a nice uh, paradox to play with it's always it's always kind of easier and more fun yeah uh gambit you know we know he has this cool mutant power to like kinetically charge up objects and then he tosses them and they explode and it's wonderful and yay everybody's happy he's also the king of thieves as uh <laughs> it, like he the, the writers would always write the way he would say that is he's like this master thief. Right. So you, if you had the the choice of being this master thief or to charge up things and make them explode, where do you go personally? I'm, I mean, I feel like that question answers itself. You never look. This says a lot about you. I'm glad. I like you even more. Uh, yeah. No, I want I want to charge things up, and make things explode. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. For sure. Because also, if you do that, it makes it easier to steal things. So, <laughs> See, and this says a lot about you, you Jamie. <laughs> I, 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 I wear my all of my flaws on my sleeve. <laughs> so I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. Um, you know, you said King of Thieves. And I wonder about where, you know, being a relative novice in the, in the Marvel world, where, like, where things sit with that accent. Because I know that it's... Definitely written in in some of the car- and comics. Some they don't truck with it, as I understand. Like the various animated incarnations have varying degrees. Some not at all of the Cajun accent, and production opted to not go for the Cajun. I, I'm afraid I'm gonna get crucified. No, no. I, I'm really, I'm honestly, I've panicked about it. So <laughs> my wife is from Baton Rouge, yeah. and she uh, she spent me- a long time in her life in. New Orleans. Yeah. Like, so she's there. She's not Bayou, but close enough. And so her accent is just, like, southerny right. in general. It's not well, that's what we Cajun-y. Did. Yeah. Right. And I think the thought was, because they're trying to, they want to appeal to fans, obviously, yeah. but also appeal to us, you know, they want to bring more people in. I think they were, either they were afraid that that would put people off, or they were just like, I, we don't think Heck can cut it. <laughs> it's going to sound like an idiot. <laughs> Which may have been the case. Like, maybe they saved my butt. And there's also, right. like, the Yat. Like uh, accent, so it sounds right. almost like Brooklyn, but it's from folks who are uh, right outside yeah. New Orleans because it's like the where yet and then like that right. whole thing. And like I know I, we're friends with those folks who have that accent, right. but you don't want to go down that road if if it's not gonna feel right. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think it needs to be that for Gambit. He's and he's also he's a worldly man, right? He's, yes, for it's real or better. 
Well, thank you for allaying my fears. Good. Uh, you, it's just, that makes it official, I think. Yes. You can edit that out if you need to. Just a little therapy for Bill. <laughs> you're, hey. You are welcome to go to town with it if you like. <laughs> Get a little Cajun in here. That's just for you and this room. It's all you. Oh, man. But yeah, if... Okay, so you, maybe you didn't use the Cajun accent, but mm-hmm. the Bayou is definitely Remy's home turf. So right. Wolverine is coming in on his home turf. How did that dynamic play out? How does he use that to his advantage in this? Yeah, no, it, it, you know, one of the things that I love so much about the project is the fertileness of the environment of, you know, the Bayou and New Orleans and surrounding areas. And, and you're right, you know, the accent is, is one small manifestation of a very rich, varied environment. And having listened to season one and knowing how beautifully the, the sound guys like really fill out the world, it's exciting to, to, to know how much material you have to work with. It's going to sound fantastic, I think. Yeah. But in that regard, it was nice to have it was nice to have a character who came from that to have that to draw from and feel really attached to the world, uh, you know, inherently. And and it made me comfortable, and it also gave me something to really personalize the stakes of the story, right? If, if it's his, his home turf that's uh, under threat and whether he thinks it's from uh, Wingard or Wolverine or who, you know, whoever it is, he's, it's nice to have something to defend that's built in, yeah. you know, something you really believe in. Yeah. You mentioned Jason Wingard and, you know, there's, all, there's a bunch of characters in the show. Mm-hmm. What are Remy's relationships like with some of these other characters like Wingard or uh, Marcus or whomever else is in the show? Yeah, I don't... Oh God, you might have to correct me, but I think outside of Logan and Maureen, he doesn't have any history with mm. any of the other guys. I don't think he... I haven't, li- I haven't yeah. been able to, s- to yeah. listen to the show yet, so I... So I you're know. of no use to me. I know. This is, uh, this I, I, know. I, be- I believe that, that uh, Logan and Maureen are the only people I have his history with. He, you know, he was, to one degree or another, a friend of theirs when they were together, you know, uh, way back before the story uh, starts. But, um, so he has stakes in that. But, uh, you know, he comes to know this kid, and there's uh, something about this boy that really cracks something open in... Gambit. You know, one of the things I really love about the character is, as you say, he's a real scoundrel, and uh, you know his choices are questionable, and young kids shouldn't be reading his stories. <laughs> um, but what's fantastic and, and is indicative, and I find indicative of the Marvel universe in general, is that that's not the whole story. Is that that is what they the 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 writers tend to be interested in is what makes a man like that, and they don't shy away from the fact that often. If you're an ass, <laughs> it's because you're scared of something or, you know, you're an orphan and you, you don't have a, a basis in any sort of moral code or whatever it may be. So true to form, there was a chance to kind of bust into that a little bit and yeah. connect to the kid who also, you know, his father wasn't around and um, his mother is missing and and uh, he, he gets... He gets the game. And you know, the, the other, they called him Remy. I mean, uh, production. We never referred to him as Gambit. Always Remy. It was always about the person, which I think uh, reveals a real appropriate sense of priority for storytelling. Yeah. And, and particularly for the audio, uh, because you don't have all the fun visuals to, to kind of distract from that. So, not that the movies do. <laughs> but... Um, Ryan, you know what I'm I think I think by the end of this series, you're going to absolutely love Gambit. Right. Well, you're gonna love slow your roll. We'll you're see. gonna love you're gonna him. Gonna love I, I, I think that Bill is going to humanize him in a way that you just cannot deny your <laughs> the heart and humanity. Okay, of now this you're character. raising expectations a little too high. I like to the- do this because I like 
to be happy. But what, what you're saying here yeah. does cut to the core of who we are at Marvel, right? It's like yeah. these characters who are flawed, who are believable, who are human makes them so important. There's a there's a term that I love from wrestling where they call like the 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 really good guys who are just sort of one dimensional. They call them white meat baby faces. And we don't have white meat baby faces at Marvel really. Like, you know, we don't have the guy who wears his underwear on the outside and the long cape and the big you know, letter on his chest. We've got characters with a lot about? of uh, a lot of depth. I mean there are others up short, don't whatever. But we don't have those white meat baby faces. A guy yeah. like Gambit has so many fans because he's so layered and there are elements of him that like everyone like you see yourself in yeah. the, the trials and those tribulations and those journeys. Yeah, I mean his charm and his suave is very appealing for sure, but I think his damage is almost what's most attractive about yeah. it. I mean that's why we all like Wolverine too. Right, exactly. It's, you know, yeah. it's maybe he is grumpy and grumbly and always upset about something, but it, the big question is why? Right. What's right. what's his deal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and maybe I could take care of him. Or is that just me? Sometimes, Cradle him like yeah. a little baby. He is he so just, small. He just needs a mom. Tell me your troubles, Logan. Just tell them. Tell me what all your problems Comb are. Comb his beautiful hair. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Give him a little scratch on the back of his neck. So after working with the ambisonic microphones in this very specifically audio environment, what did you learn as an actor? Like, what did you learn about yourself as an actor and storyteller after working in this environment? You know, sort of goes back to the the permissiveness of the room where, you, you, you know, the microphone acts as a camera, but you don't have to worry about how you're hitting camera or, you know, where your eye line is exactly. And so it frees you up in a way. And it, it um, you know, it retaught me at least or reminded me how probably the more, the less concerned with what you look like and you know how you're coming across the the more successful you'll be as a storyteller and as an artist you know if you're not censoring yourself for the proper angle or anything you know and I think that'll that'll that has since then served me moving forward and uh you know I think is something that will come through in the production itself and and, and the piece yeah hopefully so liberating it really is yeah Yeah, it's a hell of a lot of fun (laughs) I like to imagine though that you did come to work every day dressed in purple and black and with those gloves <laughs> and like two of the fingers are covered but the, like right, three arms right, you're like right. why are those not yeah. covered what's going on there and then you have the big bow staff and For then the, sure. all of that like, it was you, a broom handle oh, very good even better <laughs> did, uh, did, you do, did you do method for this one <laughs> oh totally yeah yeah, yeah. I, I got all around midtown He didn't talk like that at all, Ryan. I'm outraged. Yeah, you seem outraged. Gamble. So- <laughs> Gamble. That's me doing Ryan's impersonation of Gamble. Triple P is giving me a weird look, but I'm just doing what Ryan's doing. Gamble. Sling blade. Uh, all right, we got to keep the show rolling. Uh, we're going to get into our community section in a second, but first, we got to give you guys a question of the week. Uh, and I thought about this one; it was easy. What's your favorite convention, or specifically San Diego Comic Con moment, if you've been to Comic Con? So, favorite convention moment that you can think of? Like when I ran into Dragpool, and Dragpool gave me a bunch of um, it's which was Deadpool as a drag queen, and he gave me candy. Oh, I don't think you should take candy from strangers, but I did. <laughs> And I was fine. You're fine. Look at, listen to you now. <laughs> I wouldn't condone it for anyone else. No. Um, man, I've been going to Comic-Con almost consistently since like 2004. Uh, and watching it grow, I think, is kind of 
my like the favorite thing about it is seeing so many people there. I, I mean, like it was. I wouldn't say empty or anything, but it was. It's so different now from the, over the last ten years. Well, it's nuts. I went in the '90s and I just. It was like a airplane hangar compared to yeah, now. You know, like it was just like a little room with, and it was in creators just sitting with their comic books waiting to sign. You know, cool. it was a simpler time yeah. in many ways. Yeah. So let us know what your favorite convention moment has been or your favorite San Diego Comic-Con moment has been. Use the hashtag This Week in Marvel on Twitter. You can email your answer to twimpodcast at marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page. Hey, ding dong, ding dong. It's time for community. Yay. That Can we just, can you isolate that and use that every <laughs> week for community? Because that was real good. <laughs> Uh, So we were talking about emails. We got two emails in this week. The first one came in from Samuel Lang, who says, we hear about writers and artists and et cetera, and their Marvel origin stories, a.k.a. how they got into comics. But I was wondering, what was your guys' Marvel origin stories? I I grew up reading Disney comics that were my mom's when I was a kid, which makes me really sad because they were really old, beautiful comics that me and my brother destroyed. Um, And then my my brother really wanted to go to Comic-Con when we were kids, so... I started going to Comic-Cons when I was a kid, and that that was pretty much it. I also, I don't talk about this a lot, but when I was a kid, I had a rare hip disfigurement. And so I was on and off of walkers a lot and crutches and surgery. And I really glommed on to Wolverine as a character because I had to get metal pins in my legs. And that I, the thing that made me feel better was... People would ask me like, oh, well, what's wrong with you? And I'd be like, well, I'm like Wolverine because I have metal in my skeleton, like in my skeleton. And it really just made it so much easier. And I think that's what kind of cemented my love because I was like, oh, this makes something that feels weird about me and it makes it feel cool and okay. So I think that was my kind of Marvel origin. Yeah, that's great. Um, I I honestly don't like I asked this question to so many guests and I don't know mine specifically because i didn't have like my mom didn't read comics my uncle read comics and i was very i am very close to my uncle but he gave me a couple of like old dc books but that was it and it wasn't like he got me into marvel i i don't know it was just you know the the 80s just a spinner rack yeah at the drugstore it was really just like comics were part of being a kid and and just read them and it was like comics and video games and trading cards mm-hmm. so it was like sports cards uh i got into before i got into marvel trading cards but that the marvel trading cards really hooked me like i can close my eyes and remember going to work with my mom at her office in manhattan and just like going over the trading cards over and over and over and o- obsessively as a <laughs> child and then just reading a lot of comics yeah yeah Uh, We have another email in here, and this one is from Jim Radloff, who says, Hey, all. My favorite moment from a Spidey film actually came from interacting with fans. After Homecoming came out, I went to a convention and met a guy dressed as Miles who gleefully cheered that he was canon in the MCU. I hadn't read Ultimate Spider-Man, so I didn't know who Aaron Davis was, nor his nephew. Always nice to see the kind of joy that comes from just knowing our favorite characters will be on the big screen. Much love and make mine marvel, Jim Radloff. It was great. BBs. It brings me so much joy. All right. We got a tweet. Uh, Nick Watch and Stuff said, about to get a pizza and a picture at Mod Pizza with my wife uh, slash best friend at Built Geek Tough so we can debrief about Spider-Man Far From Home in secret. 
congratulations to Twim Fam. You both look very pretty today. And they he gave us that little winky gif that uh, Zendaya, a.k.a. MJ, is like, you look pretty. Aw. It's nice. There, I think, I don't know. There's so many things I love about this tweet, but I think my favorite is, with my wife slash best friend. So nice. Like, yes, I know, I get it. It's delightful. Karis Pollard says, I would spend... July 4th with Captain Britain so we could be Brits together celebrating America and being awkward being the bad guys of the holiday. I did spend Independence Day with a U.S. family once, and it was great and weird all at once. Um, just like, oh, uh, remember remember that old uh, colony? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, that was, that's great. Thank you for that that tweet. Uh, last one in here this week is from RP67. Haven't heard from Buffy Paisano in a little while. So uh, RP says, listen to episode 335. with th- Maybe that's why we haven't heard from RP in a while because there's like 60-odd episodes behind. But that's okay. Uh, I'm glad you're catching up. Listen to episode 335 with Dan Slott. And I really wanted to answer the Fantastic Four question. If I was a fifth member, I would want Super Skrulls powers. This way I can help in many ways and gain the trust of the Fantastic Four. Then crush those foolish heroes and take the world! Wow, you really are ready to be a super scroll. This is great. Yeah. Clart. 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 I... Terrible. What is his name? It's Clart. I feel like it's such a bummer being a scroll, mainly because your chin looks so bad. Or so good. You can get like like uh was it sour cream inside those ridges, and then you put like a little potato chip in the that ru- ridge. The ruffles, the ruffle face of. Yeah. You get them ruffle face, and mm. you could turn your face into a bowl, and you could have. <laughs> Girls can do weird things, right? <laughs> yeah, you'd it. be like a bowl face. Yeah, and then you pour the. And you put your own cereal in there every morning, just be like. Nom, 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 yeah. nom. Actually, being a scroll seems great. Right? I win. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, please. Wish us the best of luck over the next week and change. We've broken Triple P. She is laughing and or crying into her own hands. Yep. It is tremendous. We're very excited. We have uh, another episode next week. We'll be at Comic-Con, so make sure you watch us at marvel.com slash SDCC 2019. Tweet us and let us know if you're going to be there. Remember, Triple P loves ham. Yeah, find us. And Triple P loves ham. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe.